Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I sit down with Courtney Townley. Sapphire training helps the on-the-go woman feel more energetic, find her inner peace, and become more powerful by creating a fitness lifestyle she loves. So a little background on Courtney. Courtney has begun her fitness journey through dance. She then became a Pilates instructor, personal trainer, health coach, transformation health coach, and precision nutrition level one, almost level two health coach. She has owned two fitness facilities and was blown away by the results that clients got from her health coaching services. She decided to commit fully to developing that aspect of her business. She's driven to learn everything she can about her field to help her clients get the results they desire to be sure they have fun along the way. So Courtney is someone that I have um, seen on the internet and I loved her podcast. She has a podcast called the Grace and Grit Podcast. Highly recommend it. It is one that I listen to every week. She is full of knowledge. She's in the women's health health field. So I definitely go to her and her resources for any time that I'm kind of curious about what I should do with clients. So she is a great inspiration and a mentor, even though I had never met her or seen her before. Um, so this was a great conversation that I got to have with her and I learned so much and I know you guys will too. So hopefully you enjoy today's interview with Courtney Townley. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast, Courtney. I'm super excited to have you on today. Ah, thanks so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. So for all of those who do not know you, um, as I was just telling her before, I love her podcast, Grace and Grit Podcast. Highly recommend it for everyone. But can you tell us a little bit about yourself so we can kind of get to know you and your fitness journey? How did it start? Yeah, sure. I I jokingly call myself a mover shaker and a healthy people maker (laughs) because I feel like that kind of encompasses my, my life journey to this point. Um, but you know, I was really active as a kid. I was heavily involved in the dance world. I mean, to the extent that I actually went to college on a dance scholarship and I was dancing for a company simultaneously while, while I was going to college. And when, when I ended my schooling, I was kind of in that predicament of, oh boy, now I actually need to pay, you know, pay my way and figure out how I'm going to make a living. And I don't know how much you know about the, the world of dance, but it's not a super lucrative profession. <laughs> so I, I kind of had a toss up. I was either going to move to New York City or I was going to move to Toronto, um, both of which had pretty active, uh, obviously, dance communities. And I ended up applying to a year long Pilates program at Stop Pilates. And I had been exposed to Pilates a lot as a dancer um, through my training. And anyway, long story short, I ended up going to Toronto and enrolling in that program for a year and moved on to become an instructor trainer for that company. So they had me traveling throughout the U.S. and Canada to certify trainers. And it just, I really had a passion very early on for teaching people how to become better movers because obviously movement was a passion of mine. And Pilates just happened to be my entry point. So I, you know, I taught Pilates probably until my mid to later 20s. But then I was also studying a lot of other things at the same time. I got involved with gyrotonic. I got my personal trainer certification. um, And it just kept snowballing. I started getting really interested in just overall health. And I mean, you'll probably ask me more about that um, through the interview. But Um, that's kind of how I got started in the fitness industry was really just my love of dance and movement itself. Oh, that is so cool. So what age did you start dancing at? Oh my gosh. You know, I, I I think I came out of the womb dancing. (laughs) (laughs) 
truly. I just, I don't remember not ever not having it be like my, it, I always joke, it, it definitely is my first love. It's just mm-hmm. always been a huge passion. I still, it's a big part of my life to this day. And it's certainly, it's changed shapes and forms and, and what it looks like in my life, but I've always been doing it. Mm. Do you ever give it to your clients as like something for them to play with? You know, I, I don't think, not necessarily directly. I definitely have taught classes. Um, I had a class for a while where I incorporated a lot of dance and that was fun. It was an enjoyable thing, I think for me as well as them. And I think more than anything, it's just more of a leading by example, you know, mm-hmm. that it's something that, you know, I'm 40 years old and it's as much of a part of my life now as it was when I was in my teens and twenties. Because I think women, as we age, we have a tendency to tell these false stories about, you know, that we can't do these things anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's just simply not true. So I think a lot of my clients just learn by watching that I'm, you know, I'm still very much a part of the things that um, are important to me, despite, despite my age or my life circumstances. And I think that inspires them to follow their own passions and pursuits as well. I love that you just said that I had, I teach a senior citizen class that I actually just came from and they're, you know, women and a few men, 75 to 93, I think is the oldest. And (laughs) I was just telling them, I'm making them do a little bit of yoga now. Yeah. And, um, they were like, oh, I could never do that because I was showing them a pose. And they're like, too old. Oh, too old. And I was like, no, there's this, I'm not sure if you saw the Athleta catalog had a 98-year-old yogi on it. Yes, and she amazing. actually had just went to one of my friend's class who was instructing and she was like, I got to meet her. This is so awesome. And I'm like, you guys are not too old. You know, like just right there. I'm like, do you see some of the poses that she does? And they're all like, wow. you know, kind of just stopping to think like, wow what stories have I been telling myself for how many years, you know? And that's just kind of one example where we get those stories into our head and we tell it to ourselves. And all of a sudden you're like, I can't do this, but you're like, I have some of them who are requesting yoga at class now. They're like, I want to do yoga. Let's do those poses. You know, it's so true. And and I think that, you know, we, unfortunately, I think as we age, we don't allow ourselves to play as much, right? As children, it's like we wanted to try everything. You know, everything was exciting and we wanted to experiment with all these things and we didn't have all these false stories and false beliefs. And I certainly see a lot of, you know, that, that becomes a real barrier as we age to staying healthy and fit because a big part of health and fitness is engaging with play and, and following your curiosity. And I am a firm believer that your body achieves what your mind believes. So if you are constantly telling yourself those stories that you're not capable, that you're too old, that you'll never be athletic, guess what? That's exactly what you're going to be. So. Yes, I totally, totally agree with that. So I know one of the other things that's kind of helped you evolve into your, you know, from just personal training, uh adding health coaching services. So I know that you talk about seeing these amazing transformation with clients. So why do you think adding that component to your training has really helped you see results? Oh, yeah. Well, I can tell you a funny story. It's actually probably kind of embarrassing for me as a trainer. But um, so I had a Pilates studio in my late 20s um, that was really successful. I had lots of clients coming in and out of there. And, you know, I think I started realizing very quickly that a lot of people weren't coming to me to learn Pilates necessarily. They thought that's what they were coming for. But they really just wanted to feel better. They wanted to feel more confident in their bodies. Um, and that could have come in any form. It just happened to be Pilates uh, for what I was teaching. But there was a period of time where I had about, I don't know, maybe five or six women who were coming to me that were radically transforming before my eyes. Mm. 
And this sounds terrible to say, but I knew it wasn't because of what I was teaching them. <laughs> I, mean, I had been teaching long enough to know that there was something else at play here. Mm. So I started asking them, like, what are you guys doing? Because you look incredible. I mean, they were physically transforming, but they were also just happier and they had more energy and they kind of had a sparkle in their eye and their hair looked really healthy. I mean, it was a lot of things. And come to find out that they were all working with the same health coach. And of course, like the second I find out that little bit of information, I called the coach who was not taking new clients. Um, but I told her, like, I need you. I'm a trainer. I've been in training for almost a decade and I don't feel healthy or even fit. I looked healthy and fit, but I felt broken on a lot of levels. I was crashing every day at three o'clock. I was really reactive. My joints hurt. Um, I had several failed pregnancies. Like there were just lots of things indicating that I was not in a stellar state of health. Mm -hmm. And long story short, I ended up hiring her. I worked with her for, uh, I don't know, probably 18 months radically transformed like every opinion about what I, I what I knew it took to get healthy you know because I was always addressing everything just from a movement perspective and so to start incorporating stress management and quality food and eating enough food and um, moving my body a little more smartly right it all added up to me just feeling in, unstoppable and incredibly powerful so I couldn't not share that work with my clients you know, I, as, as much as movement got me into health and fitness, the, the equation of health is so much bigger than just fitness. And I learned that the hard way. And once I learned that, I couldn't go back. I couldn't go back to just teaching people how to move their bodies better. Mm. So then you kind of, that's when you dove into the health coaching and decided that you needed to add that to help your clients even more. I did. I started, I kind of used it, you know, my training is a bridge job. So I was still training clients in person, but then I was working. My health coach ended up, um, you know, just encouraging me to become a health coach. And so I kind of worked under her brand and her website for a while. And then about three to four years ago, I went completely out on my own and I don't see people in person anymore. A handful of people just to reprogram them on occasion, but most of my clients aren't even in the state of Montana. <laughs> that oh that's so awesome yeah it is it's so awesome on so many levels oh yes no that sounds um very similar to like what my kind of evolution has been going through and am going through so I'm I love that and I like that you have the health coaching um and I feel similar to the, my Ayurveda principles and so when you were talking about this I was like I can totally relate like as a trainer where you're like oh, I'm totally in shape where people are like, yeah, you're in shape, but you don't feel that yourself. Cause I felt that before I just had a son now who turned one, but before I was pregnant, I was like, oh, I'm not in the best shape that I could be, or I just didn't feel like I was getting it. But now post having my child, I'm like, I really dove into the Ayurveda and practicing those things and seeing such a big difference. So I think it's kind of similar in, you know, finding what's going to help make you feel better. And it might not be you know, just the workout or just the nutrition, but like that stress management piece um, or adding in, paying attention to when am I going to bed? When am I getting up? How do I start my day? Little things like that. Do you find that to be true as well? Absolutely. And, you know, I think another limiting factor that, that sort of um, prevents a lot of women from moving into the healthy space they truly want to live in is that 
we always, a lot of women treat health like it should always be treated the same. Mm -hmm. But the reality is we're evolving as women constantly. I mean, who I am today at 40 is radically different from who I was at 34 with a brand new son. Mm -hmm. And 34 was radically different from who I was at 22 just coming out of college. So to not recognize and respect that my body has different, a different set of needs um, is, is really detrimental to me being able to get healthy. So I really encourage women to just, you know, honor the fact that what you need in your health process today may look radically different than what it looked like five or 10 years ago. Oh, I totally, I totally agree with that. And I think a lot of people, um, especially when they first come to like myself as a trainer, you know, that's something that they see. They're like, at one point I was this weight or looked this way and it might've been 10, 15 years ago, but they want to get back to that place. So how do you kind of make that switch in their heads to be like, you don't have to be at that place. You might be even feeling better, you know, but not get tied down to the weight. Cause a lot of the times when people first start, it is the weight, but it's not really the weight, but that's what they say. How do you kind of make that evolution? You know, I think it comes down, and this is something I learned in Precision. I don't know how much you know about Precision Nutrition, but it's a health coaching school. And I'm actually just wrapping up my, um, their, their master's program, which is a, their level two program, which has been amazing. It's all about behavioral psychology. Oh, I love it. Um, but what they talk a lot about is, is getting down to five whys. So asking somebody, why are you interested in improving your health? And you know what the first answer is for a lot of women. I want to lose weight. Mm -hmm. Okay, but why do you want to lose weight? right? And maybe I want to lose weight because I want to feel more comfortable in my clothes. Okay, well, why do you want to feel more comfortable in your clothes? So at least five times making that question go deeper. Mm. Why, 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 why? Because ultimately, at the root of that is a really powerful answer for why they're signing up to work with you. And honestly, it, it has nothing to do with weight. Mm. It's not about the weight. Because let's face it, when people get to their goal weight, all their life problems are still staring them in the face. Right. I mean, they don't go away just because you lose weight. Yes. <laughs> so, so I just encourage my clients to keep digging deeper for that bigger. Why? Why are you really at this? And, and here's the, the, the very common answer I get to with many people is, is that they know they're capable of more. And, and they want to serve on a very big level and they want to live knowing that they did their best. And, and that's just integrity, right? Living in line with what we know to believe tr true of ourselves. And unfortunately, a lot of us are just caught up with these stories and these busy schedules and all this garbage that is preventing us from living in line with what we truly know about ourselves. And so it, it, that, that is, um, it's finding the way to your why. Why do you really want to improve your health? And honestly, I usually make clients answer that question without ever mentioning the word weight. Oh, I like that. Because if it's about weight, I'm honestly probably not the coach for them. And I'm telling you, I've let, I mean, I've helped women lose hundreds of pounds, mm -hmm. but it's, it has to be bigger than the weight itself. Mm. Otherwise you seem it doesn't stick. Like they usually don't stick around to the program. Is that what you find? Well, either they don't stick it out in the long run or they get to their, their goal weight. And like we were just saying, they see that all of the things they thought would be magically cured by them losing weight are still there. Mm -hmm. And so then of course they go back to old habits sometimes. And, you know, it's just, yeah, their process has to really be about self-respect. Self-respect is, is how we breed health, right? It's daily showing respect for our bodies, minds, and souls. And when we do that on a consistent basis, guess what? Weight loss will be a byproduct of that. Hmm.
That is awesome. So what is kind of your current training philosophy then? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, it's probably, I mean, I could probably talk about that for an hour in and of itself, <laughs> but I would say like the premise of my training philosophy is that I'm not about, I know that as women, we all have a vanity bone. Okay. We all want to look good. We all want to feel sexy and attractive. That's just part of being a woman. And I, I recognize that and I respect that in myself and in my clients. But the reality is just like we were talking about our main goal needing to be bigger than weight. When we train our bodies, it has to be bigger than just pretty muscle, right? Or looking, looking slim. What, what will training allow you to do in your life, right? How will it elevate your life? Like we, I start there with somebody, right? Really getting into the meat of why we're even, even starting a training program. I think many women enter work with a health coach or a trainer expecting to do lots of cardio um, because our diet and fitness industry has been pushing cardio as a weight loss tool for so many years. And I strongly believe that cardio absolutely can be a very powerful tool in weight loss and health. However, most women are abusing it. Mm. Most women, when they hire a health coach or a trainer, they are hiring them because they are broken down. They're exhausted and they feel like garbage. And so starting with aggressive cardio is probably the worst place you could begin because guess what? Cardio is taxing on your system. It is a stressor in and of itself. And so maybe we should be spending time building up our system before we start challenging our system. And that's where strength training comes in. I'm a huge proponent of strength training for so many reasons. Metabolically, it is the most powerful thing we could do it's because muscle is literally metabolic, metabolically very highly active tissue, which means if we have really healthy, abundant muscle on our body, we can eat a lot of food without paying negative consequences, right? Healthy food, quality food, but we can eat more. We have more energy. We have more capability. Um, and really, I find that's what people are truly seeking is feeling empowered, right? We want to feel empowered in our life to take on anything we set our mind to. And strength training is absolutely a piece of that. We have to feel physically capable to do the things that we want to do in our life. And so I, I definitely push a lot of strength training with my clients, but I will also say this. Do you know Katie Bowman? Do you follow her work at all? Yeah. Okay. Well, I love Katie Bowman. And for your listeners, if you don't know who she is, I strongly suggest you Google her. She's a, a brilliant biomechanist and talks a lot about just becoming really smart movers. But she has a great quote, and, it's, and this is the quote, people have not exercised throughout history. Exercise is the modern man's equivalent to nutritional supplements. Mm. In the same way that supplements should not be the bulk of your diet, exercise should not be the bulk of your movement profile. So while I am a huge fan of people strength training and, and training at the gym and having their exercise sessions to build muscle and build cardiac capacity, those sessions should not be the bulk of the movement that we do in the day. We need to be moving constantly because that's what our bodies are designed to do. But what's happening? We're living in a culture where we're sitting for eight to 12 hours a day. We're in the car constantly. You know, people are not out, you know, foraging for food and, and, um, and being highly active, which of course is creating a lot of dis-ease in the body. So while I'm a huge proponent of strength training and all these other, you know, um, sort of 
I guess, skill sets that people can learn to, to increase their health capacity. We cannot underestimate the power of just moving our bodies more, right? Our joints are healthier. Our, our brains think more clearly. There is so much positive stuff that comes from just moving our bodies. And so um, that's one of the, the things I talk about with clients initially a lot is that me asking you to move more does not mean going to the gym more. It means how can we insert little bites through the day of you just getting up and giving your body the movement respect or movement nutrition that it needs. Mm. I love that. And that's totally the shift I've had recently. Well, not probably the last five years as a trainer, because I totally was the bad trainer who would give all the, you know, everyone, here's what you need to do. You need to do at least six times a week for an hour, hour and a half at the gym. And I feel that you know, not only, I guess, training, but the longer in the industry, the more that you see, okay, this isn't working for people. What is working for people? What can they do more? And it's, a lot of it is movement, like go home, you know, play with your child, go out for a walk after dinner, just little things like that, that we don't always think of because it's not quote unquote exercise, but it's moving your body, which is what we need to do more of. And, and I think you just made such a great point that it's not working. What the fitness industry is preaching and has preached for the last 10 or 20 years, it's not, we're, we're living in an age where obesity rates are at an all-time high. Dis disease is at an all-time high. And we have more specialized, you know, highly, you know, complicated exercise programs than we've had ever before. And they're not working mm -hmm. because, you know, even if someone tomorrow signs up for a six-week boot camp and they go every single day for the next six weeks, I mean, do you really think that's going to be sustainable for the rest of their life? It's not mm -hmm. because we don't live in a gym. We live in our homes and in our environment and we need to engage more with those things. And so it doesn't require new shoes or a new gym membership or, you know, a fancy protocol to get healthy. It requires getting off your butt. And, and doing more fun things and staying curious and getting back to play and more regular movement. I know that sounds oversimplified, but that is honestly, <laughs> that's what it takes. Yes. I love it. Have you ever read Michelle Seeger's No Sweat Book? No. You would love it. Because that's, oh, I mean, like what you're talking about, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wonder if she's read it. Because I read it and it, that book really transformed kind of my thought process on like working out and exercise. It's, I mean, it's like going out and gardening, just little things to change people's lives. And I've given it to a few clients who's, it's actually, they said the same thing. Wow, this has really changed my eyes on what workout is and what exercise is. So I highly recommend that book. Yeah. And, and you know, I think too, um, you know, you asked the question, like, what is my training philosophy now? And I will tell you, if you look in on my own personal training philosophy, it's very, it's different than what I work with my clients on in the sense that I train really hard. I work with, I've worked with Ido Portal for a few years. I don't know if you know anything about him, but he's, um, he sort of cross pollinates a lot of different movement techniques and it's a very rigorous training program. But here's the thing. I didn't sign up to work with him and I don't train at that capacity because I look at it as exercise. I do it because I love moving my body and I always have, and I'm always looking for new ways to challenge it. So although I engage with a very rigorous, uh, you know, training session every day, it's not because it's not a have to, it's a get to, it's a want to, because it's my passion. Mm. Right. And that's what we really have to find in our clients is what are they passionate about? Is it just walking their dog? Is it playing with their kids? Is it swimming? Is it, you know, I mean, there's lots of things. Your passions are going to be so different from mine. 
And, and, and what turns me on as a mover is not necessarily going to turn you on as a mover. Mm. Yes, that's right. I mean, anytime someone says, I haven't, I don't like to work out, I'm usually like, you haven't found what you like to do then for movement, for exercise, yes. for what you would think a workout is. So that's where I'm also a big believer in that is just keep trying, try different things, try new things, try that class that you're like, oh, I've never thought about a dance class before. Maybe you'll love it. Well, and you know, when, when clients say that to me, I just don't like exercise. I say, really, do you like breathing? Do you like water? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really, honestly, this sounds so insensitive, but there's a lot of days and a lot of moments in your health journey where how you feel doesn't matter. It really doesn't because guess what? There's lots of days where I don't feel like cooking a healthy dinner. Mm -hmm. There's lots of days I don't feel like getting up at 5 a.m. There's lots of days I don't feel like driving myself to my gym to get my, my training session in. But I do those things because I am behavior focused. I know that they are going to lead to an outcome in the future that I'm truly seeking. And my mood is changing every second of the day. And so I cannot get overly invested in how I feel about doing the thing. Because guess what? Action is what really propels emotion. And if we can just take action, how many people truly move their body and say, well, that sucked? <laughs> you know, I wish I hadn't done that. Nobody does. We move and we feel electrified. We feel more passionate. We feel more inspired. So sometimes we have to not wait for the motivation. We just need to take action in order to create the motivation. Mm. Yes. I love it. Taking action. So speaking of kind of taking action, what about when we get too stressed out? So that happens and we're living those busy lives and stress is pretty much a non-negotiable. It's, it's in everyone's life. It happens. So how do we deal with that? What are some stress management tips for busy women? Yeah. You know, I think when you, when you hear the phrase stress management, a lot of people think immediately of meditation, right? Or they think of going for a walk outside or maybe journaling, you know, their thoughts in a notebook. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that is one, those are, that's one way of managing stress is really just slowing everything down and taking a moment for yourself. And I'm a huge advocate of all of those things. That being said, I think we are doing ourselves a tremendous disservice by the way we look at stress. Most people are looking at stress when they hear the word stress, they think financial stress, or they think an argument that they just had with their spouse that morning, mm -hmm. or they just kind of think of like, it really is kind of an emotional stressor that they, that they immediately link their mind to. But the reality is not sleeping enough hours at night, that's a stress. Not eating a nutrient dense diet, that's a stressor. Not moving your body at regu you know, regularly throughout the day is a stressor. So when we talk about stress management, it, it, it goes across many more layers than just how we're thinking. So getting enough sleep at night is a stress management tool that I very much talk about with my clients. Mm -hmm. Hydrating your body is a stress management tool. Eating a nutrient-dense diet, getting a lot of movement nutrition in your day, those are all stress management techniques. And, and I think you, you totally called it out that most, most people – are swimming in a deep sea of stress and it's, it's killing us. It, it is absolutely causing hormonal chaos and it is breaking us down chemically on every level in our body. And most women are coming to us as health coaches and trainers because they want to feel better, but their expectation is that we are going to give them more to do. Mm. And most of my clients are really surprised when I work first at getting them to back the hell off. 
That's you know, so that we have to slow down. We have to learn to honor that if we expect more from our body, we better be well prepared to, to, to honor it with more recovery. So if you want your body to perform at a higher level, you better be balancing that out with an awful lot of recovery because that's just the way our chemistry works. All the magic of being healthy happens when we're sleeping, when we're resting. That's when muscle rebuilds. That's when our brain cashes out old thoughts. It's when our immune system is fortified and hormones are resetting. So if we are underestimating our recovery, and recovery just doesn't look like sleep, right? Recovery just looks like, you know, just sort of having a casual afternoon. And if we never make that time for recovery, we're never going to be able to optimize our health. So I work a lot uh, initially with clients on getting better sleep habits, sleep patterns, um, getting more quality sleep, because you know this from personal experience. When you're sleep deprived, are you motivated to do anything? No. <laughs> I'm not either. And everything feels hard. It feels like I am swimming through molasses. Yes. So if I have a client who comes into me saying that she consistently only sleeps four to five hours a night, you think I'm going to give her lots of cardio and calorie cutting and all of that to work on? Lord, no. <laughs> but that's what she's expecting. That is so interesting. I've never even thought of it that way before. You know, coming people coming in and you're like, they're expecting us to give them work. I mean, I guess if people are starting new workout programs, I am giving them workouts to do as quote unquote homework. But I've never even thought of that like if they're already coming in at a very stressed out way, which I do have some clients back off because I can tell personality wise after working with them for a little bit who needs to back off. But that is so interesting that that is what we do. Like we do usually prescribe, Hey, here's something else to add to your already busy agenda. Totally. It's so true. And, and clients will fight you tooth and nail on it. And I, we, this is a lot of uh, mindset work, right? Where we have to really work on what is truly at the crux of this problem. And often the problem is that people are so busy and they're living such a fast and furious life that they're, re they're just reacting all the time. They're reacting with habits that have never served them. And so they end up, you know, sort of hitting this brick wall. And in order to truly change our health, we have to become more aware and more mindful of the choices we are making so we can respond with a different choice rather than react with an old choice. Mm. Yes. And that requires creating room. And I, 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 I call it trimming the fat in your life. We have to trim the fat in our life. We have to say no to things that are not serving us to create more room for the yes that we truly want to speak to. And if, and if you honestly, with all your heart, say that you want to improve your health, show me your schedule. Because I can tell you in less than 30 seconds if that's truly a priority for you. Yes, I, I totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. So speaking of other kind of tips, what are some of the myths out there that we as women kind of grasp and hold on to in the fitness world? <laughs> Again, this could be a whole other podcast. I know. Um, yeah, I would say first what we were just speaking to, that do more, right? That more is always the answer. And, and I truly believe that actually with, with the population that I work with, and I, I work with women, college-aged women all the way through. I have a client right now who's 75 years old. So I have a huge span of ages that I work with, but I will tell you I primarily specialize with women like 35 to 65. and. I rarely, if ever, come across a woman in that age bracket who, who is not stressed to the hilt, 
mm-hmm. on so many levels. Mm-hmm. And so again, just going back to what we were just saying that doing more is not the answer initially. We need to heal their metabolism. We need to recover their systems so their body can ultimately handle more stress, right? They need to make some hard decisions on where they need to back off to be able to handle more down the road. Um, and so that, that I would say women, where women are expecting to start their health journey is a little bit misinformed. Um, and then I, I think there's, a, often with women, I, I think there's a belief that we have to suffer to get healthy. Mm. We have to suffer with calorie restriction. We have to suffer by doing exercise that we don't enjoy. We have to eat foods that we don't have a palate for. I mean, it's, and, and all of that's a myth. You know, your, your, your health, your journey to improving your health should be very enjoyable. Am I saying it's always going to be easy? Of course not. But if it's not enjoyable, guess what? You're not going to sustain it. Yanni Friedhoff, I don't know if you follow him at all, but he's a, he's a weight loss expert. He's a physician who specializes um, in obesity. And he has done lots of research that shows beyond a shadow of a doubt, the number one thing that will predict if somebody is able to sustain their, their weight loss goals is how much they enjoyed the process along the way. So guess what, ladies, if you're listening and you're suffering and you use words like I have to, or I can't eat that thing, you are not doing yourself any service. Your health journey should feel like a get to. It is a privilege. It is such a privilege that we live in this age and this time where we have a choice in how we treat our bodies and why women are choosing to be miserable and put themselves through these horrendous, um, you know, diets and exercise programs is baffling to me because it's not the answer to health health. You know, your health journey should very much be enjoyable. Um, and then finally, I would say just another myth that, that, um, I think a lot of women have is just that they're not putting enough focus on their recovery, um, and their bodies need to rest and restore. And, and that probably, you know, goes back again to that whole idea of just having to do more all the time. So those would be, I think for me, like three of the biggest myths. There's lots. I mean, oh, yeah. I have a whole podcast dedicated <laughs> of women and health, but yeah. No, those are definitely three great ones. And I've, you know, ran across all of those, you know, while training. Um, and I love that. Just the doing less with the recovery. I think that's such a huge kind of eye opener um, for many women. And if they're hearing it for the first time, like what, when you say do less, does that mean I never get off the couch? Can you like just verify, ah. just so people know exactly what do less means? You know, it's a, that, I think that's a really good point because first of all, do less looks different to everybody, right? Because everyone's life is so radically different. I'll tell you for me in my own health journey of, of, of evolving into a healthier person, Um, is I really had to learn how to set boundaries in my life with the things that I said were most important to me. I said my family was important. I said my health was important. But if you really looked at how I was spending a lot of my time, it, it wasn't focusing on those things, right? So I kind of had to first become very aware at, at, um, at how I was living my own life. And I had to do less of the things that weren't serving me so I could do more and spend more time and energy on the things that really were important to me. Um, you know, for me, I also, I was under eating dramatically. So 
I figured, you know, when I started with my health coach, she was just going to, you know, maybe tweak my calories and probably have me eat less than I was already eating because isn't that the way, right, <laughs> that we all lose weight. And I'll tell you, um, I was eating upwards of 3,000 calories a day. I wasn't doing a lick of cardio and I was losing weight. Wow. So I wasn't doing any cardio for almost three to six months. Um, because I was a cardio queen, like so many women are. And my health coach was like, no, you're not going to do this for a while. We're going to focus on strength training and refueling your system and building muscle tissue. So when we finally add cardio in, your body knows how to handle that in a healthy way. Wow. But most women are using cardio as abuse, not as an empowering tool. And right, we're using it as a, a mechanism to make ourselves smaller rather than as something to make us feel more powerful. And there's definitely a difference. And for my system that was already broken down, cardio was probably one of the worst things I could have been doing for it because it was just depleting me. I, I totally agree. And I, I just came back from a trip in one of the magazines that someone was reading. It had, you know, if you ate, I don't know, five Hershey kisses, you had to do a hundred jumping jacks to burn off those calories. Like, I remember reading this when I was growing up and being like, okay, this is what it takes. Should I eat this? Should I not? Now I'm like, I can't believe they're still printing this. This is so horrible. And this is just why we have such bad issues with stuff like that is because we see it in print like, oh, I better not eat this chip because I'm going to have to run around the house five times to burn this off. Like, oh. And so it's no wonder we get women coming in saying, I hate exercise because yes. they're using exercise as a form of punishment rather than as a way to empower and respect themselves. And so it's a total mind shift. You know, it's, it's a it's a mindset issue. And so much of health comes down to mindset. Um, yes. Yeah. Agreed. I think that's crazy. It's craziness that that kind of thing is still being published. I know. Yes. That's where I'm like, okay, this is not, this is putting us back in the fitness world. When we post stuff like this and people are like, oh, okay, this is what I should do. Yeah. That is oh, not I know. what you should do. <laughs> no, please don't ladies. Please don't do that. If you're going to eat chocolate kisses, the, the best way to probably process that is to enjoy every stinking lick of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, sit down and relish in it because honestly, if you're fully present with what you're doing, you're probably going to eat a heck of a lot less of it. Um, and then you're not going to berate yourself. There was a great research study that I just read. Uh, I wish I could tell you which university did it. I can't, but the study was that the, they took two groups of dieting women and they put them in two separate rooms and they asked them to eat a donut. Okay. Now these women were on diets. So they knew that eating a donut was probably not in line with their, their diet program. And they, they really encouraged one group to be very positive in how they handled eating that donut. Like don't beat yourself up, just eat it slowly and mindfully and give yourself a break. And it's just a permission you're giving yourself with the other group. They did not give those instructions. And so, you know what those women did. They ate the donut and then they beat themselves up and they, you know, they, they, they were giving themselves negative self chatter, mm. but immediately following eating the donut, they put a bowl of candy in front of both groups of women as they watched a movie. Guess which group ate a significantly more candy, the group that beat themselves up after they ate the donut. So how we are talking to ourselves, self-compassion is incredibly is an incredibly powerful tool. And if you're stuck in, in which many women are stuck in this um, way of talking to yourself where you're always feeling guilty and you're always beating yourself up and you're always judging yourself, you are basically promoting more of the habits that aren't serving you. Mm. Because that's what our, that's what these studies are showing is that when we, we don't treat ourselves well, we are more inclined to make poor choices. Yes. That's, I <laughs> 
it reminds me of another incident that actually just happened this past week. My friend's uh, boyfriend had asked, because um, I think I had eaten, oh, I had some M&Ms, like the little mini ones at his apartment before we went out to dinner. So he was like at dinner, you know, I ordered like a salad and he was like, are you one of those people who doesn't eat bread? And I was like, no. He's like, well, you are, you ordered a salad. And I was like, well, cause I wanted a salad. You know, I'm like, I hate making salads myself. Like I love getting salads when I go out. He's like, well, you ate M&Ms. He's like, I'm confused. Like what, what is your food thing? Like, I'm like, what do you mean food thing? He's like, well, every woman has something. He's like, you just don't care what you eat. I'm like, no, I do care, but I'm very just like, I honor what I want. And I'm like, if I wanted the M&Ms, I'll have them. I'm not going to beat myself up about it. And he was just kind of looking at me like, who is this person? Cause it was my first time meeting my friend's boyfriend. And I'm like, that is so interesting that you think every woman has this complex about food, which I'm sure, you know, there are quite a few who do. And I'm, it took me a while to kind of have this relationship, but I'm like, wow, that is so sad that like, he's asking me, what is this relationship? I have to have something wrong with my mindset about food that I'm okay having a salad and M&Ms. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Which I, I mean, kudos to you. I think that's awesome. You know, it's, it's such a healthy philosophy to be able to eat in that way. Um, and I think it goes back to the fact that when we're mindful of the choices that we're making, right. And then here's the other thing. Sometimes being mindful is recognizing that there's going to be a consequence. Like if I sit down and have a glass of wine with my husband, I know that the next day I'm probably gonna, not going to wake up feeling like a rock star. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm willing to pay that consequence sometimes, not all the time, because I'm very conscious of how it makes me feel. Um, so sometimes we just have to make choices realizing that there, there is a consequence and we are willing to pay that price. And other times we make a decision to not do that thing because we don't want to pay that consequence. Mm. That is right. So, I love that. I mean, but just it, looking at that, and I don't think we do that enough. We don't do that enough. We don't. And it it is just, you know, being able to give yourself something and truly, the other thing a lot of people don't know is it takes our brain, you know, about 20 minutes to register that our stomach is getting full because there's a long pathway there that has to be traveled in order for our brain to get the message that we have had enough food to eat. And so one of the single-handedly most powerful things a woman can do to sort of have a better relationship with food is slow down when you're eating. You know, don't eat so fast because, man, can we shovel in a lot of food in, in less than 20 minutes? And I'll tell you, I, in some online programs that I run, I, part, one of the exercises I give is for women to take 20 minutes to eat a meal. And for some women, it feels like days because they're used to eat inhaling food in less than 30 seconds. And then they wonder why their digestion is off mm-hmm. and why they feel like they're not, you know, that their body isn't really handling the food well. And it could be food sensitivities, but often it's just how fast they ate it. Yeah, so, especially if you have young kids, because you're just kind of like, oh, go quick, eat while they eat. Maybe I'm done. Great. And this is as you're, you have one child? Yes. Yeah, as your child gets older, one thing you'll notice is that children take a really long time to eat. Like, it's painful sometimes. <laughs> And, you know, I got really agitated at first when my son was like probably four or five years old. I mean, it would take us an hour to get through dinner because he would put the fork down and he would want to have a conversation and he would want to stand up and move his body. And it was just so many things. And, and now I can totally appreciate it, you know, that he was doing what he, he was listening to the instincts of his body and he was taking his time with his meal and really enjoying mealtime. When was the last time people really gave themselves permission to enjoy a meal? You know, the company that you keep, the food itself, we don't. We just look at it as something that we have to get done so we can move on to the next to-do. Mm, yes. Right? 
but part of a relationship, and really this is what health to me is about, it's about improving your relationship with food, with your body, with movement. It is a relationship issue. And good relationships are built on respect and quality time and um, you know, having, having good communication. And so with any of those areas that you're struggling with, consider what a good relationship in that area might look like. Mm. Yes. Uh, sticking with kind of the kids mom theme, I, uh, you recently had a podcast, which I really enjoyed about, you said being a mom is hard and you wish someone would have warned you. <laughs> I love that you kind of brought that up and I totally can relate um, as I've had like my own, like, oh my gosh, like this is not what I was expecting. Um, what are some of the tips that you give women now postpartum just to kind of accept it and kind of work with, you know, their new life? You know, I think it would go back to what we were talking about earlier in the podcast is that if we truly honor every new stage of our life, right? You, like where you are as a new mom is nowhere that you've ever been before. And to expect that you are going to basically function like you did before you got pregnant, right? It, it, it's unrealistic. And, and fortunately, and this is one of my beefs that, you know, when I, when I, was pregnant and had my first, my son, I had a training studio. So I had a business to run and I taught classes at five in the morning. And so when I had my child, um, I immediately went back to work after a few weeks. I was pumping between clients. I was getting up at five in the morning and I had also, by the way, had a blood transfusion right after I had my son. Oh and so I, I, and I, nobody warned me how hard motherhood was and how traumatic the experience I had just gone through was. Mm -hmm. And so I just threw myself back into life as I knew it, which was a huge mistake. I mean, I joke about it now, but it really isn't a joke. I mean, the first year of being a new mother was the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. And, um, and, and honestly, to the point of almost being like, it, I just, I was not in any way, shape or form prepared for how difficult being a new mother was. And I am so grateful that I had a lot of self-care tactics in my pocket as far as, you know, drinking water and eating good food and, and all of those things. But I still wish somebody had told me that it's okay to expect less of yourself right now. Mm -hmm. This is a very, uh, these are uncharted waters right? Most people being a new mother, we don't know what being a mother is like. We had a mother, but we don't know what being a mother is like. So true. And to just give ourselves permission to rest and restore, giving birth to a human being is a very big physical effort. And we need to give our bodies really, you know, uh, honor their, their need to recover from that, which can take for a lot of women up to a year, especially if you're nursing. So eating a nutrient-dense diet cannot emphasize that enough, especially for breastfeeding mothers. And also, even if you're not breastfeeding, it, it doesn't matter. You just went through a very traumatic um, physical experience that your body needs to recover from. And nutrition is your body's preferred fuel source. So we need to give our bodies lots of good nutrition. So when you first have a baby, and I know women, you're so desperate to get the weight off and all of that, but the, the most sensible way to do that is to eat often to eat nutrient-dense food, a lot of it, and to just truly enjoy being a new mother. But if you force calorie cutting and aggressive exercise out of the gate, don't be surprised if you have a litany of problems a year from now because your body won't be able to recover in the way that it's meant to. Mm. Yes, I 
yes, I totally agree with that a hundred percent. Like just even thinking about my own journey, I'm like, oh yep, I was the same way. Like went back to work probably way too soon and just was like, oh, this is what life is supposed to be like. You know, I think that's especially if you have your own business to go back to, you know, there's no like paid maternity to leave. You're like, well, I guess I'll just jump back to it when I feel ready. Oh, it's been about a month. Great. Back to work as usual, you know, even though you're getting up in the middle of the night still and going to early morning sessions, you know, I think some of those were, would just be like, huh, maybe you should wait another month, maybe another month or two, give yourself some time, rest, sleep, don't start your workouts too soon. That is not necessary. You know, just little things like that, where I don't think we always talk about in the fitness industry, especially as a trainers, you know, our own struggles. Cause sometimes people are like, oh, you had it really easy and be like, no, still struggled. I did anyway. <laughs> oh, no, and, and you're so right. Because I think, I think it's easy as a fitness professional or wellness professional to kind of wear that title as a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I did lose weight fairly quickly, probably because I, I, the way I treated my body prior to getting pregnant. Um, and I think, I think I expected my body just to bounce right back, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. And so it was that much harder for me to, um, to honor the needs of my body because my expectations were so outside the scope of what I was experiencing. And, and that's why I just, I wish there were more honest conversations with new mothers and even pregnant women. I mean, this sounds terrible, but every time I see a pregnant woman, I just want to go over and put my hand on her shoulder and just say, it's going to be okay. <laughs> I don't do that, but that's what I feel like doing a lot of times, you know, it's because I just don't know what, what's about to happen as beautiful and wonderful as it is. I always say that motherhood is the toughest job you'll ever love. Mm-hmm. It really is. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. But holy cow, do we need to go into it with less expectation of what it's supposed to look like and just honor that our body is in a totally different place than it's ever been before. And, um, and abusing our body is, is probably the worst thing we could do when, we're, when we become new, new mothers. Oh, yes. That's where I, I, I waited until I think the six week mark, you know, when the doctors give you the, okay, you're good to go back to workouts. And I always tell some of my friends who haven't had kids yet, they're like, so that means, you know, like my old workout routine. I was like, no, see, that's the one beef I have, you know, kind of when they turn you loose is you just go back to what you were doing before you 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 were pregnant because that's just, that's what you did. You don't know that you should modify or you shouldn't go back to maybe running right away or jumping, but you just assume the doctor said yes. So I guess that's a yes. And Andrea, that's a really important point because I I did a podcast episode a while back with a pelvic health specialist. um, And just because this is such a real topic that, you know, our pelvic floor, if we have a vaginal birth, right, is, um, is, I mean, it goes through major trauma giving birth to a child. And even if we had a C-section, whatever the case may be, there is a lot to address um, in terms of how to recover from that. Mm-hmm. Um, that is going to, you know, we're either going to suffer years from now because we didn't address it or we can address it early on and then not suffer consequences down the road. So I strongly encourage new mothers to take their pelvic health very seriously and make sure that they go in for their exams and work with a good physical therapist if they need to, to make sure that your pelvic floor is back to functioning um, at full capacity. Because I work with a lot of women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s who neglected their pelvic health after they had children. And it is not fun because now they're having to have all kinds of surgeries and they have all kinds of issues with bladder control. And, and a lot of it could, been, could have been avoided with the right kinds of therapy. Mm, uh, yes, that's, I definitely tell people that too. And I'm like, I probably should have went right away, but I had a glute tear um, that pretty much went undiagnosed. And I, in the back of my head, I kind of knew, but again, I'm more in tune with my body because this is what I've been doing forever. 
but I'm like, I told my doctor, I don't know if I should be doing squats. And she's like, well, it looks fine. So I did them. And then I ended up back in her office, probably three or four weeks later. I'm like, I am crying when I am going to the bathroom number two, like on the floor crying. And I'm out for at least five to 10 minutes, like just laying on the floor, cannot move after that. And she was like, okay, you know, and she was like, I don't see anything, you know, and that's where you're like, and you know, to me, I'm in my head. I'm like, I should just stop working out. Like to me, this is not, this is the issue. And so I somehow, you know, was back in her office every four weeks until finally I was like, you know what? I'm just no squats, no working out. I got to let my body heal more. And then eventually it healed itself. But that took like five, six months postpartum before that finally disappeared. And those are the things where people, I don't know what's going on with you. I don't, it's, it looks fine. You know, those little things that people don't always tell you or don't know what to do. Well, and you know, it's, it's really unfortunate because I see this happen a lot where women intuitively know that something is amiss, but because they are putting all the faith in the world, in their, in their physician or their doc, whoever they're going to, um, that they, they tune out their own intuition. Mm-hmm. And, and I tell women all the time, look, if, if you are on this, you know, they've been put on this prescription drug, but they feel like it's totally messing with their life and they're not sleeping well and they're gaining weight, you know, I either tell them either go back to that same physician and tell them what's going on or get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. But you have got to be your own best advocate when it comes to the medical field, because no one's going to look out for you the way you look out for yourself. And do not underestimate what your body is telling you. It is the worst thing we could do in regards to our health. And it is robbing women of their power. Mm-hmm. And it, it is, it's, it's painful to watch, you I, know, where, yeah, just what you experienced. I mean, that's, thank God you knew your body well enough to be able to make that choice. But a lot of women do not have that body awareness. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's where I was always posting, but like listening to your body. Cause we work a lot of that in yoga. And one of my friends, um, you know, had asked me when I went over to her house and she'd had, um, a child and she's now pregnant with a second. And she had asked me, I don't really know what that means. Like when you keep saying, listen to your body, what does that really mean? So I'm like, well, this is interesting. You know, like we might be saying that, but even then we have to break down exactly what that means. Cause if we haven't practiced that or been exposed to that, I'm like, wow, this is eye opening for me. So then I kind of started sharing with people, okay, this is what listening to your body actually means. You know, and people are like, thank you for breaking that down. Cause I see this being posted or shared, but I don't know how to do that. So, you know, just that education of, okay, slowing down, listening to, oh, after I ate something, what does my stomach feel? Is it getting gargles? You know, am I bloated? Do I have gas? You know, stuff like that, that we don't always, you know, we just go through life fast and you don't always think about that. But if you listen to it, your body is telling you little things throughout the day. All the time. And I always joke, you know, you're not in a dictatorship with your body. You're in a relationship. And most of, people, most of us treat our bodies like we're the dictators of it. We're telling it what to do. We have all these expectations and demands on our body, but we're not listening to the other half of the conversation. The body is trying to communicate with us. And if we could just pause long enough and become mindful of what that communication is, we can honor the needs of our body and it's a win-win situation. But we're just, we're not making that kind of time and we don't have that kind of awareness and it's, it's leading us down a really dangerous rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I got one more question for you before my final three. So I want to know why health is a destination, not a finish line. Oh yeah. Um, You know, this is where I feel like the marketing in the fitness and health industry has, has really gone. It's just done such a disservice to women because we advertise 
fitness and wellness strategies like they're a temporary thing. That if you focus for the next 30 days or six weeks or three months on this thing, you'll never have to deal with it again, which is hysterical. Because in my mind, health is an everyday for the rest of your life endeavor. It's not a short-term thing. If you truly want to be invested, if you truly want good health, you have to be invested every single day. And you have to be paying attention every single day. And, you know, people sign up for the marathons and people sign up for the boot camp. And they, or, or they, they, they really do well with their diet because they have a wedding they want to look good for. And to me, those are all finish lines. Mm -hmm. Like we're just getting to the finish line and then we're calling it good. But the reality is your health is an ongoing evolution. And um, it's just not, it's never going to end. It is an evolution, not a finish line. Yes. So it, it's, it's truly just being a knowing, you know, and I tell clients, you know, all the time, like if you truly treat your health like an evolution, you're never going to quit because what are you quitting? right? Are you going to quit drinking water? Are you going to quit eating clean food? You're going to quit getting enough sleep? I mean, maybe for the short term you will, but you're always going to come back to those things because that's what good health demands of us, you know? Yes. And, and so it, it really kind of, you're not quitting anything. If you look at health as an evolution, if you screw up or you take a misstep, you just shake it off and you get up and you get back to it the next morning because that's the life you've committed to. That is such good advice. And I think that's can be helpful for goal setting too. Cause I've had, you know, people ask, they're like, well, I'm not training for anything. You know, I don't have a wedding coming up. I don't have this. What am I training for? And I'm like, oh, that's great. What are you training for? And they're kind of like, I don't know, like life, I guess. And I'm like, yes. Like just, yeah. that should be something that is just ongoing in your life. Like we don't always have to have something that we're again, going to a destination point rather than being like, Nope, there is just no finish line. We're just constantly, we're training for life. Yeah, and it's becoming, um, and Precision uh, talks a lot about this in their work, but it's, it's really being uh, behavior focused rather than outcome focused, mm. you know, because we get so focused on the outcome that we, and we get frustrated because it seems so far away that we're not even doing the daily behaviors that are going to help make that outcome a possibility. So what are you doing today that's in dedication to your health? You know, focus on the behaviors, focus on the action and, and, you know, repeat that tomorrow and repeat that the next day. So many amazing nuggets to take from this conversation today. So if people want to connect with you more online, where can they do that? Oh, easy. Yeah. Just my website, graceandgrit.com. Um, and I have, you know, all kinds of good stuff there. There's a little video series they can register for. It's a seven day video series about, you know, the real nuts and bolts of what it takes to get healthy. Um, and my podcast is there, but graceandgrit.com is the best place to connect with me online. Perfect. So one of the questions I always like to ask everyone, what does peaceful power mean to you? Mm, I thought about this and, you know, I immediately thought of this quote. I can't tell you who said it, but I've, I've had this quote in my head forever. I think I saw it on a piece of art somewhere originally, but the quote is, um, you know, to be still, uh, let's see, let me see. Movement is life. Stillness is love. And to be still and still moving is everything. And to me, like, that's always been such a powerful quote because, it's so true that, you know what, if you want to change your life, you got to move. You've got to move out of the box that you've put yourself in. You've got to move away from the, the choices that you have been making that are underserving you. You have to move because movement is what creates life. 
but you create movement by starting with love, right? Self-love breeds self-respect. And that's where the stillness, the mindfulness, the awareness comes in, right? It's just being aware of, of who we really are. And I don't care where you are in your health journey right now. You are deserving of love. You're certainly deserving of your own love. And, and to start there and to respect yourself enough to be able to start implementing some self-discipline. I know a lot of people don't like that word, discipline. But the reality for me is that discipline is an extension of self-love. And if we, if we love ourselves and we're respecting ourselves, we'll be okay with inserting a little bit of self-discipline. And that's where movement happens. Mm. And so th that's immediately what I thought of when I, when I saw your question about um, peaceful power, because to me, it's, it's kind of, you know, the theme of my, my work too is grace and grit. Mm -hmm. It's finding that, that you can't have one without the other. You can't have peace without power. You probably don't have power, true power without peace. Mm. Yes. I love that quote too. That's the first time I've heard Isn't that good? Oh, I love yes. that one. A good one. So finally, to wrap up, what weekly challenge would you like to give the listeners? Mm, I racked my brain on this one. And really, it just kept coming back to, and this is super simple, so simple to do that it's really easy not to do. So those of you listening, I know it would be easy not to do this. But when it comes to our body, as women, we are so used to judging it. You know, we're so, it's, it's so easy for us to think of all the things that we want to change about it. But what we're not so good at is just appreciating what it's already doing so damn well, right? And, and really appreciation, gratitude also breeds respect, right? And when we're respecting our body, we're going to be healthy. You are more likely to treat your body well if you are praising it, if you are focusing on the things that you love about it, not the things you hate about it. So I would just say this week, every day this week, take, you know, two minutes, even let, you know, one minute, this won't take you more than 60 seconds, but think of one or two things every single day that you are deeply grateful for about your body, right? It breathes for you without you asking it to, your blood flows without you asking it to flow. You know, life happens without you interfering. And the fact that you get to wake up every single day and live life is a huge honor um, that I don't think we show enough respect for and enough appreciation for. And so I think if we could just kind of flip the switch and start focusing a little bit more about what is going right in our body, we might find we're more inclined to treat ourselves well when we're talking about behavior changes and the like. Yes. Positive self-talk. Yes. Yeah. Huge. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I am so glad to get to have a conversation with you today, Courtney. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. It was just very fun. And um, no, I'm so excited to be connected with you. And, and um, yeah, I mean, we have a very similar message. So I think it's just awesome. There needs to be more of these conversations being had, especially in the realm of women's health. Totally agree. I totally agree. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the Peaceful Power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.